Hey everybody and welcome to Honest to Pod, where each week we pick something to ramble on about. Current events, personal growth, big daddies, and eating all of the foods all of the time. That's true. I'm Ashley McAllister. And I'm Matthew Ellie. And this is episode 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19. Four. Four. That's good. Yes, I liked, I liked how our two things um, connected because when I talk about Big Daddies, I'm talking about... This big daddy chocolate bar that I got from MS. I've never seen that before. This is a five pound chocolate bar. Oh. 5.25. It's called the Big Daddy and it's chunky cho- chunky chocolate bar with caramel peanut butter and roasted peanut peanut pieces. Oh my days. It's the type of big daddy that melts in your mouth. It must be incredible. It is it delicious. Oh it my is. god. It is. One of the best things that happened to me this week is having, <laughs> is having, the, having the big daddy here. So with the new COVID rules and having been back at home now, um, I used to go shopping with my mum every week, but now she's like, Matt, I'm not going out there. I don't want to put us in this. Hit, so you can go shopping. And so I have to go shopping <laughs> for the food. She's so, she's so thoughtful like that. You can yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's good. Uh, but then it feels like a lot of pressure because my mum's a little bit like, I don't know if, if you've been shopping with your parents or your mum, whatever, but like when I having moved away from home and stuff, like I shop in my way, which is I really don't get for one person. Like you don't get that much. Um, I tend to go in with a plan for the most part and don't really veer too much from it. I'm not, re- you know, I'm not browsing and picking out like, cause I, I'm, you know, I feel like millennials at a certain age, like, you know, I can't eat all these snacks and I'm not going to have all these crisps, isn't it? Whereas that's for like home. So then when my mum, mm. she's like, okay, let's just get three packets of cookies here. And then like four bags of crisps, you know, and, and things. So when I'm by myself, I feel like I need to shop like my mum and not myself. But I accidentally spent like 230 pounds in one shop the other day. And she was like, why did you get all this stuff? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know why I got all this stuff. I just wanted to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, I would never do this. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So my mom doesn't, she doesn't go grocery shop and she does it all online, which is actually really handy. So You can't browse online. You have to know no. what you want and get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what she loves about it. And now she has her basket. She copies the basket over every week and then she'll make changes as she wants. So if she fancies something different, she'll just add it in or take something out. It's the way I shop here as well. Like I used to go shop. I used to go day by day and pick up what I wanted, but... Mm. Um, I just now I get a weekly Tesco delivery. It sure. is bad because I got stuff the other day and the dates were really bad on it. The dates are terrible. Dates. And now that I'm with my mum, so one of the things I've increased is like vegetables. So here we only have mm. carrots. That's it. Before I got here, all they ate was carrots every it's week. The worst it's not the worst vegetable. Shut up. It is disgusting. Are you joking? I don't like sweet veg. Oh, okay. I like sweet veg. You don't like corn then? I like, I, I like sweet corn. But again, I, I think I find sweet corn very different like because it's so small. But like parsnips, sweet potatoes, carrots, anything like that, I'll eat. But they're like low on my list. It's like sweet root vegetables. Um, one thing they didn't have in this house is greens, though. So I'm trying to get broccoli in the vegetable. rotation. Um, rockets, you know, salads. Sprouts. Sprouts. My mom's been living off sprouts since Christmas happened. It's not. They're not good. They're not good. Sprouts are brilliant. No, they're not. They're not. They're not good. How do you t- how do you cook your sprouts? I don't cook sprouts, but the way that my mom does is she boils them to oblivion, so they're right. nice and mushroom. First of all, soft. that is not how you cook sprouts. All you do is sprouts. This is how you do it. Put oil in a frying pan. Get your sprouts. Cut them in half. Take off any dead leaves around the outside. Put them raw into the frying pan with the oil for about fifteen minutes on a medium heat. Get them a bit burnt, a little bit soft. At the end. Squidge of lemon juice, and you serve it on the plate. And you can put all the things in there, like thyme. If you have thyme, put some thyme in there. Some chopped up bacon, if you want some bacon in there, which we do at Christmas. Um, a little splash of port. Um, it's also also nice. Port. Um, port. Yeah, just a little splash of port. But okay. lemon juice. Lemon juice. My go-to would be sprouts, pan-fried, squidge of lemon juice at the end, and then like a season of par- par- parmesan cheese. Just. Any vegetable is good if you cover it in cheese and fry it in fat. <laughs> <Be fair. laughs> um, 
This is our new segment, Cooking with Ash. I don't even know if Ash is a good or a bad cook. Over Christmas, he invited me for dinner. It was before Christmas. I don't even know when it was, at some point before the year. And we had this, like, debate. I don't know if it's a debate where it is, but when you invite someone for dinner, I think that you cook for the person who comes for dinner. But I don't think Ashley necessarily agrees with that. Right. Let's break it down. I asked you to come for dinner, yeah? Yeah. Did you get dinner? I got fed. Did you, but you, well, yeah, you got food, which yep. at dinner time is called dinner. You got a meal. It was a well balanced. It was a delicious meal. It was, was prepared it not, by someone else. Uh, was it delicious? I'm not saying who, I'm not asking who made it. Was it delicious? It was all right. Was it, it was well good. balanced? We had pie, greens, and mash. We must have done mash. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so it's a good mix. I love pie. Um, and as a gluten-free pie, it was excellent. There you go. So not only did you not have to make yourself dinner, I made you dinner. And what it sounds to me is that you're ungrateful. Now, given that I did not make any of the food myself and I heated it all up in the oven because M&S had pre-made it, I think that given that I pay extra for M&S food because it is expensive, that sort of takes away from me having to prepare it myself. Plus that also meant I got to spend more time with you because I hadn't seen you in a while. I just think, I just think like, you know, because <clears throat> if you invite me over and then you said, oh, Matt, I've got some food. You want some? It's a bit different to say, please come over for dinner. I would love you to come over for dinner. I'm just saying, but you know, it was delicious and I'm not ungrateful. I thought it was really nice. Um, and I said to you, because you were like, oh, the excuse you gave at the time wasn't that. The excuse at the time you said was, oh, I'm short on time. So this is why I got it because, you know, I'm a busy, busy girl. And I was like, I could have eaten before I got here because it was well late as well, wasn't it? It was like 8.30 and I was starving. Um, so it really helped, obviously, yeah. then. We didn't get here at seven. Yeah. Um, And it's not so much that. The food was really nice and I appreciate it. We had a lovely evening. I just don't know what your cooking is like because you haven't cooked for me. You provided a meal. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. I just don't Mm. know if you can cook. And you always talk about how good your Christmas meal is. And then this year when you came back, you were like, the meal wasn't that good. And I was like, oh, shit. Did I say that? Oh, my God. You forget everything. You forget everything. Yeah, I don't think our meal was that bad this Christmas. You didn't say it was that bad. You didn't say it was that good. Obviously, the turkey was an issue. The vegetables your mum made was an issue. Oh yes, yes, yes. So the turkey was different because we didn't have a we had a turkey crown, which means it's drier because there's no turkey legs. So to me, I've already said to mum, never get a crown again on your life. Never <laughs> again. Um, also, mum was in charge of the vegetables and she forgot to put them on. So whenever the meal was ready to get served, the vegetables were like, oh, I need to put them on. I'm like, mum, again. Do not drink port before 12 o'clock in midday because this is what happens. Um, so it wasn't raw. It wasn't bad. I mean, I made, we made a really nice roast of the day. Yesterday, we had a really nice roast. I'll never I didn't know. Any of it. So, you didn't cook um, any of it. See? <laughs> uh, I've cooked good food. I'll, I have to cook you a meal now. You do? Of course you Whenever do. Whenever we're able to mix, I'll cook you a meal. Uh, Apart from this, anything else exciting happening exciting happen in your week? Not exciting, but the, there's an issue. And the reason why I said it in the title is this, I cannot stop eating. I mean, like, I feel like, and I'm pretty bad for eating loads of food, mm. but I can't stop it. And I, I feel like I'm never, never full. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about this. Like, I just What type of things are you eating? In the evening, I have a lot of cereal. We have a lot of cookies here, like I said. Quite here. sweet things. 200 pounds worth of cookies. <laughs> yeah. But it's quite late as well, is what I'm saying. Like The food mm. I'm eating is like from like 8 p.m. onwards. Um, I just need to stop eating. So, how about your week? How's it been? Yeah, it's been fine. I did just my runs. I did a really horrible workout on Wednesday. I've actively been eating less. Like I like to eat around. Well, I like to eat around five or six, which the other guys I live with think that's really early. They like to eat about seven, half seven. It's really early, Um, and that's the time my mum eats. That's why I'm getting hungry as well because it's so late, so early. Yeah, well, then I eat, I eat then and I have, I usually then have like a couple of snacks in the evening, um, but I've cut down those snacks. I just have one like healthy snack, like a banana or something. But, um, and then get to bed and it's fine. Should we jump into it? Yeah. Before we do. Oh, God, every week. Every week. Um, exciting news that we've got another Patreon this week. It is every week so far. It is every week this far. Uh, let's hope we keep it up. Yeah. So for those who don't know, 
<laughs> Matt, do you mind telling people what Patreon is? Yes. So Patreon is a website where you can become patrons of this lovely podcast. So if you listen um, and enjoy, or not, you might hate it and still listen, you can pledge some money. So we've got three tiers. Um, and now they're in pounds, I think, which is good for us, but they can be in euros or dollars if you want. And we've got basic P, bougie P, and then we've got the sugar daddy level. And it helps us continue the podcast because we do have costs, but we'd also like to grow. Um, and that comes with paying for advertising and such. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been very fortunate this year to get a new one each week, which is outstanding. It's brilliant. This is brilliant. So thank you to all our lovely Patreons. We had a Patreon who joined us last year and then paused their Patreon during our down season and then rejoined again this week, which is great. We want to make this your conversation as well. So that's what we encourage you, especially Patreons and anyone who's not Patreon, to get involved in the conversation. So you'll see that Matt, Matt more than me, because Matt's really good at it, but posts a lot on social media and asks for engagement. So, um, yeah. And so without further ado, let's go in to topics. All right. Yeah. So, Matt, uh, obviously we had the remarkably uh, handsome Brian Sims on last week. Honestly, he's so, so he's so handsome, right? And then um, he shared it on Facebook, which got some. I don't know why I've just segued to this, but then people were just like, "Oh, listen now, because you're fit." To him, they're going to listen to the episode because he's fit, which is excellent news. One person said, "I'll listen, but you need to sort out the name of the podcast." I was Honest. like, "Excuse me." Where did they say this at? On Facebook. On Brian Sims' post. In it. I was like, um, Honest Pod's an excellent name, I think. It's a good name. Yeah, you it did is. really well with it. But I was like, you're rude, but I won't say anything because I want you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if you are listening to this right now, you are very much appreciated, but don't come for our name. It's a good name. It's a really good name. Anyway, we had Brian Sims on last week. Brian Sims on last week. Uh, lovely guy. Great to have a chat. Um, but as we mentioned, his episode came out the day after the inauguration. And because we recorded it before the inauguration, I thought we'd start off this episode by just talking about how amazing the inauguration was. It wasn't all amazing. There were some. Most of it was. I don't think all of it. Okay, let's talk about the good things first. Okay. Right. Good things about the inauguration was, in my opinion, I thought Biden's speech was brilliant. It was unifying. It was happy. It was emotive. I thought it was a really good speech. My mom's so funny. She was like, oh my God, uh, they've moved Coronation Street for the inauguration. Why would they do that? It's not even in this country. And I was like, yes, yes, I did. It's important everywhere, mum. <laughs> yeah, it it's just one like, of the okay. biggest, most powerful countries in the world. It's the biggest, most powerful country in the world. Yeah. Um, and for the first time in four years, somebody is hinged, is at the driving seat. Well, we hope so. In my opinion. <laughs> but some of the like yeah. actions that he's had within the first week and the first day... Um, seem to be very positive. Yeah, I think, you know, another great thing about the inauguration, but it was not so much the inauguration, is the the new VP. So, and I think I put this on my my Facebook or my Instagram post of the day, but I woke up, I remember waking up on the day after the inauguration four years ago and just feeling so shit. Like, I just was so confused about how this could happen. Like, how can somebody who is a TV person, an outspoken TV personality, be now president. It just didn't feel right. Something wasn't right. And, you know, given the four years that the world has had under his 
Twitter rants and crazy executive orders he's pushed through. And it sounds so strange to say, but the rise in white nationalists, who would ever thought that in 20, well, from 2016 to 2020, there would be a rise in white nationalism? It Is it a rise seems, in white nationalism? Well, I guess or more just open, more open. More open. A rise in awareness of white nationalism, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be like, fuck. Like, fuck. <laughs> this is crazy. It's actually, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about Trump is he's always been someone who basically allows people to say the things that they really, truly feel when it comes to those views in particular. Yeah. There's never been someone in place who would be politically powerful enough to allow for such hate speech and he's allowed that he's allowed people who have views that are deemed incorrect which is do you know what? i i get not i get it but and obviously like a lot of the views are very 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 um uh oppressive but you know if someone is there saying what you're saying is right it it makes sense why if you had these beliefs and someone saying believe what you want that people that it would solidify those people's thoughts like i i get that does that make sense mm-hmm. um yeah that's good yeah, thing he wasn't there. well this is the the other thing another good thing is that he wasn't there what i thought was hilarious of how he i mean not that i'm surprised but he very the guy lacks class he snuck out the back door took off his helicopter his did his little speech um I think Melania Trump is now so over it. She left in that somber black outfit. Did the costume change on the plane? Left like she's going to some hippie parade. Um, and then like, the press was there and he stopped to like talk to the like, press and stuff. And she was just like, fuck this, I am, <laughs> I am done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Head me straight to the nearest divorce attorney because I am done of this shit. That's not what she did. But I wonder if she will break up with him or if they will get a divorce or something. What's next for Trump? Um, well, I think he's held bent on starting his own social media channel. And like he wants a new party or something, isn't it? A new political party. He's going to start a new political party because... But I think I think what's... It, to me, if I was a Republican, I would be... It's, I, I guess there's, there's, I'm guessing there's certain branches of Republicans out there that think, I can't... I don't want to vote... Democrat. And I guess it's the same in like how we just had in Northern Ireland. A lot of Catholics or a lot of people who are Protestant don't really believe in what the DUP stands for, but they don't want to vote for the other party. So it's mm-hmm. like, I have no choice but vote for this. Um, yeah. And do you know what? I think maybe another party's needed because that's Trump. Trumpism is so extreme that there's, there's a little bit of a middle ground that I'd, I'd hope a lot of Republicans fall into that isn't so hateful. Yeah. I mean, they'll never be in power. It's like in, you know, Britain kind of thing where there's only two parties really that will come into play and they'll be the same in America for sure. But, um, mm. you know, with you what's have, happened... We have those parties in the UK. We have those yeah. parties. Yeah, yeah. Gordon, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but there was a he was on Celebrity Big Brother, but he started his own party for that same reason as well. I can't remember his name. Um, George, no, I don't know what his name is, but he did one. Yeah, um, I love saying all the different names in the ballots when I post that uh, when I vote because some of them are mad. But yeah, I love Lady Gaga. She did she did the uh, national anthem in a very Gaga way. So this is where I think people just be like. Oh my god, she was amazing. She was she was only okay. She was a bit pitchy at parts. It wasn't the problem with Lady Gaga is, right? She makes great music and she does good club stuff, but her voice itself, she's got an ugly voice, right? It don't sound Stephanie nice. has an amazing voice. She's got a good range, you know, her clearly her songs are very good. Just talking about like vocal quality, so you know, singing a ballad or the national anthem, she doesn't have a pretty sounding voice and she struggled she struggled in that song she did no no she looked wonderful the dress the dove yes the national anthem 
I felt sorry for J-Lo having to come out and follow that. So I think J-Lo actually did really, really well, considering J-Lo is not a vocalist. I think we can all agree. <laughs> she, she ain't a vocalist. All right. She's a performer. Yeah. She can dance. She mm. is beautiful. She's a, I love her acting, right? I do. I love her in acting. I love hearing her speak. I love her presence, right? I, her songs mm. are good. She can't sing. She sang really well for her. It was very mellow. Yeah, it was good. And she's like, let's get loud. Cracked me up. <laughs> well, she, got, she got hit for promoting her own stuff. Oh, that God. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, but I thought her performance you know. was better. I thought her performance was better than the national anthem. You're wrong, absolutely wrong. Next, you'd be saying you thought Garth Brooks was better than the national anthem. I don't know who that is. He sang Amazing Grace in the inauguration. Yeah, he sang after Jim. I didn't right? watch the whole thing. To be fair, we had to fucking move a sofa, so I had to watch videos, um, mm. which was annoying. But I wouldn't have watched Garth Brooks anyway. I have no idea. <laughs> He's what? an old school country singer, famous. Um, but yeah, he sang Amazing Grace. It was good. Was it good? Yeah, I thought he was good, but I like country music. So he came out a little country hat, took it off. People were talking about how he might have hair plugs. But, um, nice. Uh, I'm going, I, I, we were, we're on different pages of Lady Gaga. I thought Stephanie nailed it. I thought she was brilliant. <laughs> I, I, do you know, I love more Lady Gaga more and more, especially because of her being so unapologetically herself. And she's very, very, like, I don't think she makes many mistakes fashion-wise. Her newer stuff is, is actually wicked, her music. And it's always been good. Like, it's always been good music, I think. Mm. She's, she's just not a balladeer is the word, isn't it? She's just not a vocalist. I think Bad Romance is one of the best pop songs ever released. I think it's, I think that's really good. I love Telephone. I love Telephone. Oh my God. Yeah. When that song came out, um, the first time I ever dressed in drag was as Beyonce from Telephone. Uh, <laughs> and I got an old picture of it. I found it the other day. It came up as memory. And um, I was like, oh my God. But yeah, I love that song so much. I'm Born This Way is obviously a classic. Um, what else about you know, Bernie? How can we not mention Bernie Sanders? Did you see? I didn't see it at the time, like when he was there, but I. I did anyone comment? Did anyone like of the commentators actually comment on him sitting there looking kind of like bored and I don't know, crumpled? Um, I don't think they mentioned him being crumpled. I remember him being on screen and I remember <laughs> I was watching Vice Me and we both looked at each other and laughed. It's like, you don't have to be there. It was an invite, you could say no. <laughs> I just love, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, just, I, I, I clocked it when he was walking down the stairs, his little mittens, and I thought those mittens are to die for. So I put it on my Instagram story and he had his little meals. He, he obviously he goes about his days. Like today I have to go collect my meal, put my mittens on cause it's gold, uh, grab a cup of coffee, go to the inauguration, then go to the dentist. You know, he's clearly like, he just fitted it in. Like it's just another, another day. I'm down though. I'm down. Like, you know, he's like, I've done this. I've been there, done it. You know, it's a good mm. day. Mm. He's like, hey. <laughs> Can we be thirsty for a minute? Have you seen President Biden when he was younger? Yeah, yeah. Have you only just seen it? No, I seen it ages ago. Actually, okay. ages ago. But obviously, it rerouted itself in the gay channels. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does it really, really fit. He looks like uh, someone. I don't know if you know <laughs> Ian Bowden's like old housemate. Someone we know, but he looks just like him. I think Greg, the old physio. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is good. I feel like something's been done to it to make it look even better. I would say he's like a seven. Mm. You know, like he's not like whoa, but he's like okay, I, yeah. mm. I do you. Yeah, he's a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy. Um, anything else from the inauguration? Really, nothing. The really, most I important just... things. Oh, oh my god, you missed out so much. Oh my god, I did. <laughs> Right at the top of my list. Uh, right at the top of my list. The poet. Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman, yes. The poet. Yeah. Poet uh, Youngest poet laureate in America. Well, she's the only, she's the very first young poet, young poet laureate. So she's the... Oh, okay. She, they, they had like the poet laureate and then they have the young one. And mm. I believe, I think so. But it says, yeah, she is 
She's in Harvard. She got a speech talented. impediment. What annoys me? What this is annoys me. Okay, is someone can be at Harvard and be a poet laureate, and still it's like TV, which really annoys me with like many TV shows because I was watching this show called Yesterday It's a Sin, you know, mm. and everyone's talking about it, and they're in the Isle of Wight, and the secret closet gay men in the Isle of Wight are fit. And I'm like, if you're in the Isle of Wight, which is a small island south of the country, they're not going to be fit, especially if they're closeted. You from Limavady know that they're pretty much always the closeted ones, you know, they're, they're trolls. Yeah. Right. Um, and then if you were to watch like Scandal, for example, and then they have like a young black, be- beautiful poet laureate, you're like, she can't both be this intelligent and this beautiful. But the bitch is a real life person. Mm. Amanda Gorman is a real life person. And I was like, Fucking hell, she is gorgeous. Stunning. Stunning. Her eyes are like mm, beautiful. You know, she could have went up there with no makeup and be fine. You know it. Yeah. And she's talented. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't like to only judge women by based on their looks, Matt. I've it's 2021. We don't do that anymore. Like she's talented. But how can you be so talented and so beautiful? And how confident. Did she read? So that is it. Yeah. Like she had that constant, like half smile on her face and her eyes were just like, she was, she was in the moment. Right. But none of mm. it was forced. Do you know what I mean? Mm. She wasn't like, there was not a single like nerve. It felt like she was just, she was just, she knew, she knew what she was going to say. And she said it. I, she said it. It was a beautiful poem. Uh, she delivered it beautifully. Uh, I, I was, I was in awe. I was in awe. I was like, oh, uh, a poet for a poem for five minutes. I was like, fuck, this is mm. this is not going to be good. It's like a wedding speech, you know, when they're not good. Mm. You're like, I yeah, know I need yeah. to do this, but this is not going to be good. And I was like, yeah. oh, she's good. She's good. She captivates. She mm. was captivating. Yeah, her enunciation, everything was just so well delivered. It was her yeah, red was headband. Subtle, Prada, but- apparently Prada. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you're going to the inauguration, you may as well. Mm. She was excellent. She's <laughs> going to be so big. You know, when you're going to be so famous. And like the day before that, she must have had like, I don't know, like 10,000 followers on Instagram. Then an hour after the inauguration, it was 1.1 million. And then the next day it was 2.5. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I was like, yeah, I follow. follow. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else from the inauguration did you like? Wow. The second most important thing. Michelle Obama and her hair. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my days. How can you that outfit? No, no. The, fair. The I hair. Didn't, I didn't have it written down because about I don't know why. The two most important things are Amanda Goldman and Michelle Obama. She did look like she was coming to slay. Do you see her hair? It was beautiful. Yeah. Somebody compared her hair to Trump's inauguration versus this inauguration. Have you seen it? Her hair, her own hair. Yeah, yeah. But was like clearly she's going to Trump's inauguration. She made zero effort. She's like, mm. "Fuck this shit. I'm just going to go and then bugger off." But for Biden's, it was like, "I am having a show." And she woof, 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 woof. Yeah. But winter coats. I love a winter coat. But winter coat season with Kamala Harris, um, Michelle Obama. I talked to Biden, like these coats. Mm. Yes. Yons. It was, they, they all looked phenomenal. They did. It was very, it was very classy. Like they had, a, it's a very classy mm. look, the coats, the gloves. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like the, the color purple was like a, a, a conscious decision. Michelle Obama's was a shade of purple. Kamala Harris had purple. Uh, Joe Biden had a purple bow tie. But in particular for the women. Um, so, you know, purple is like the color between sort of the red and the blue. So that is why. So it's supposed to be like a merging of the two parties. Um, oh. And in particular for the women, purple is the color of the suffragettes. So it was like in homage to the suffragette movement as well. So that was supposed to be significant of having shades of purple. I know that Dr. Harris didn't have a, a purple, but someone else did. I can't think of who it was. Um, but it was another woman that had um, purple. There should be someone who's like a man who's in a dress. Imagine if they wore like a tux. Um, but a touch dress, you know, I think there should be a space for a Billy Porter Jr. to to win and become the president and then not just have, because they were like, oh, the men are wearing Ralph Lauren. End of story. You know, whereas... Male fashion's so boring. Yeah, and I just think you could make it so much more interesting. Like uh, Lady Gaga's Dove. 
J-Lo looked beautiful. She was she was wearing a head to Chanel or something, I think. And she's all in white, pretty much, yeah. She was beautiful. But J-Lo can do no wrong image-wise for me. Mm, it's true. It's true. To be fair. Um, remarkable is what I'm going to just label as um, redefining gender norms. Uh, it's tagging onto the bottom. And obviously, with the... I, well, well so I was saying what I wrote, wrote on Instagram was that it's amazing that people are waking up, kids are waking up, and it is now normal to see. They'll, they'll grow up thinking it's normal to see people of color, females in the highest seats in office in America. For people like us, it's like we're like blown away by it. But for mm-hmm. these young kids, they'll grow up thinking this is this is perfect and that'll give them ambitions and dreams which is amazing and it's really like it's really nice to see Kamala Harris vice president Kamala Harris um be an inspiration to people uh females everywhere it's amazing um but what's also interesting is her husband uh Doug Dougie boy is the first second gentleman which we've never had before I was listening. I was reading. I was listening to something the other day, and there was. Talking I love how you say it. we. We've never had. We've never had. We've never had that. I mean, I don't know if it'd be in like other countries that isn't the US, but we've never had it in the US. And we're also not the US. We are not the US. I'm sorry, but just it's because Brian Sims was on last week, and we're it's just rolling over. So. Future husband. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to this thing, and it was saying how. Doug had given up a very high-flying law career to support uh, VP Harris in her role. Um, And it made made the interesting point in that this this woman said that her and her husband don't use the terms husband and wife because they just connotate this sort of husband before wife and the wife should take a back step to the husband. Um, Not everyone will perceive it that way, but it's a common perception. Um, and that's why they refer to each other as partners because they are partners. They're in everything together. They raise their kids together. Um, it's not about the woman should do this and the man should do this. We, we come at this as a team. And I just thought it was very interesting that he gave up his career to support her, which is brilliant. Absolutely. You know, women are always expected to give up their careers for everything for their, you know, to raise a family as it were and to let the husband provide in these situations and actually you don't need to sit to those roles and people have different responsibilities and this is an important opportunity for her and their family so it's an amazing mm. step an amazing sacrifice um because it is a sacrifice as well you know you do have people mm. have their own dreams and their own um wants and goals um but you know i guess in a relationship part of that is sacrifice um, and that's why i think that the term partner is important because that's why it's good for in my opinion couples should talk through all this to get you know, what's the best outcome for us as a team rather than us as individuals? Because once you put that ring on that finger, it's a team. Even yep, before, even before that, yeah. even before that, you know, my favorite Dwayne Wade as well. Um, he's often criticized even articles that he's given interviews or they have. So it'd be like Dwayne Wade and his wife. And then he'll be like, no, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union or Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. But he's not like, he like he'll actually push against anywhere that would be like, you know, Wade and his wife because she's not a tag along she's her own person and an equal partner in this relationship and has her own profile as well so absolutely. but that just seems so crazy as well because she's also very famous he's massively famous not, but even not, say, not saying it's right or wrong either way but it's just so strange that somebody would be like oh Dwayne Wade and his wife as if she's not a common household name as well mm. like we all know who Gabrielle well we all know who Gabrielle Union is because she was in that amazing film bring it on <laughs> uh, it cracked me up because a lot of people some people put it, so michelle obama got out of the car and they were and and this i'm not mad at i wouldn't be mad if like a newspaper or something did this if they put they put michelle obama and her husband <laughs> she was as soon as she came out everyone was like <gasps> like mad crazy because she just yeah. she destroyed it she's got this aura yeah. about her but yeah imagine michelle obama and her husband <laughs> could you imagine i could imagine but i also think michelle obama should run for presidency yeah a lot of people say that um, i would vote for her we, I don't know what her like acumen is when it comes to politics, and I'm sure over the years and everything she has. But you have a big team. Um, it's, mm. I guess it's got to do with the want. You know, she she's got her own career, and you know she's got her new podcast. She's got a podcast, and mm. she's got her books and stuff. And I'm sure she's got a thriving business. She can do Michelle. No if you're listening, we'd love to have you on our podcast. 
Yes, we are not asking me these days, so maybe, maybe. <laughs> I asked Miley Cyrus. She didn't get back to me. She she's back to you. Busy. No, she's, she, she's just busy. It's true. It's true. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. She's always busy. Cool. Well, that's all I want to talk about the inauguration and how I thought it was just an amazing day and what an amazing, exciting four years we have to look forward to. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, because we're all excited about that there's a change. And, you know, you can. I think you can take positives from what has happened, right? I, I, I feel like... In the world and things in life, you do have to see the worst to be able to get better. And it's unfortunate that that has to happen. It's not a, a great thing that has to happen. But we've, in many different ways, both the pandemic, everything, we've seen the worst. Um, and this is where you learn from it. And, you you know, you bounce back. And Okay. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about a little bit about, um, this is probably more around the UK, I guess. But I... I there is a larger question about just what government's meant to provide. But within the UK over the past like uh, year with the pandemic, free school meals have been up for debate and contention over, over what the government should provide for students in schools. So um, currently, well, before the pandemic, there might be kids who are on a lower income who are prov- have their lunch provided for them while they're at school. Um, whereas usually, especially in secondary school, um, you pay for your own lunch. With the pandemic, we've had um, different provisions. In the first wave, we had nothing at the start. And then there was vouchers given to parents to then be able to go to the shop and provide lunch for them. Uh, And we've had a famous footballer called Marcus Rashford, who has been advocating for free school meals um, for the most impoverished people within the country. I just and it got me thinking, especially because I guess in the environment that I am around here, um, and just seeing different posts online, different trolls, but sometimes um, people that I know, I think that the government that parents should be providing for their kids no matter what, right? And it just got me thinking, what? And this is a general question: where what is the remit of the government? What is their? What are they supposed to provide? Especially because one of the things is paying for free school meals over half terms, so after like through school holidays, because they said the Tories said they wouldn't provide lunches over the holiday period. And then that got a lot of backlash, but they didn't do that before. So I had it. So I just had that in my mind, really. Um, so what are your thoughts in terms of, and I don't want to talk about the, the lunch they did provide recently. I don't want to talk about that just yet. Well, okay. <laughs> what you can do. I was literally going to jump in and say, that one loaf of bread, one can of beans, two satsumas, two slices of ham, five slices of cheese, one apple, two baked potatoes, and five bottles of water does not a weekly shop make. That's two weeks. That's 10 days. Two weeks? That's 10 days worth of lunches. What type of diet is the government putting the people on here? So they had the provisions they gave. So the guidelines they gave to the companies to do it were to be things that you didn't need to necessarily make. Right. So uh, you make sandwiches, but they didn't make bread, for example, or these full meals. Um, although like they were like, why did they give them water? You know, that's basically a waste of money. Um, it turns out then, you know, so I put this question out and uh, the companies that were providing the lunches were, you know, friends of people within the Tory government. Of course they were. <laughs> so you just like, OK. Um, but where did the So in my head, I'm like, what are the responsibilities of the parents? Because again, mm-hmm. I put this out and someone was like, well, if you don't, can't afford to raise three kids, don't have them. And on the news, this is my mom, she was complaining. She was like, well, this woman's saying that, you know, she wants the government to pay for their lunches, but she's there with a full face of makeup and nails. I get my nails done in the shop and the gels, they cost like 35 pounds mm-hmm. and acrylics and things like that. They cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I could see why if you saw someone on the news with a full face of makeup and their acrylics and nails done, Mm. complaining about the fact that the government aren't providing lunches for their kids might be contentious, I guess. I mean, it's hard to hard to say because first of all, we don't know who that woman is. Her sister could do her nails for free and do her hair for free. She, you know, we don't know. Um, but it does, it does, it does raise that question. It is. And there, and there is, there is, a, it's a fair point to make in the sense of if you can't afford three kids, don't have three kids. There are people out there and there's, it's, I think it's always going to be a debate where people out there work hard every week, pay their taxes, um, and, you know, can't afford to do a lot of the stuff they want to do. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, you know, you see it all the time. They'll go on this morning with Holly and Phil, and they'll be like, 
well, I'm a mom of seven and I want the government to give me a bigger house because I've outgrown this one and I'm expecting twins. You know, something like that. Yeah. And it's like, well, why should the government give you, I'm not saying this, but why should the government give you more? It sounds like what you need is a, your tube's tied. Tube's, tube's tied. That's what it sounds like. And I'm not saying that. I'm mm-hmm. saying people could perceive that. Um, and it's true. If you, can't aff- if you can't afford to feed seven kids, don't have more. If you can't afford to house the kids you have, don't have more. Because mm. then it, it puts the government against the wall. Not to say that the government is, I'm not defending the government here, but it puts, because they have to. They have to give you a bigger house. It's true. Um, and I do believe in free school meals at like 100%. Um, and I, I, do, was, I do as well. And I asked, I, I understood the point about, okay, well, you didn't provide free school meals over half term before. Why would you now? Do you think you need to consider the current current situation we're in where people, more people are earning less or nothing based on, you know, furloughs, um, redundancies? Do you need to take that into consideration at the current moment in time? I do. I think the government has... I think we've got personally, it's very easy for me to look back in hindsight. And I know we've talked about this before, I think offline, but I think the government has a lot to answer for. And I think, I, I hope a big inquiry is put into it about how they've handled this pandemic. Um, I think that given that the state of the country is in the way it is, the government, this is a key time where the government should step up and supply those ones who, you know, might not be able to go out and work because businesses are shut or because they have to stay home and look after kids because schools are shut. They should be providing support for them regardless of what their financial situation is. I mean, obviously if they're got loads of money, then it doesn't matter. But like for people who work hard and, you know, can still afford it, it doesn't mean they should have to make that expense um, mm-hmm. because we're in a, we're in a such an unusual circumstance the, the, the world's in. Um, so yeah, the government should hundred percent, step up now given that the stories and given that they feel so comfortable giving themselves pay rises when the world is falling apart um it really makes me question anyone who is comfortable now to defend the government right in this situation because i posted up a couple of weeks ago about a really lame thing but it was like 20 miles per hour is the law and i'm like what's 20 what's 20 miles per hour like the government's response being to the pandemic um and somebody's like well that's a bit like of a, a jump isn't it and I was like, how dare you? How can you sit there and defend the current government and how they've handled this crisis as if I'm wrong? I mean, I'm, it was a bad joke. I get that. But the, there's, there's no way anybody who is, in my opinion, sane can look at what Boris Johnson has done and said, you know what? This makes sense. Let's give us pay rises while the world is falling apart. I don't know how I went off topic. <laughs> no, but okay. The reason I brought it up is because not necessarily I believe in it, but I'm really trying my best to understand how you can be like, well, the kids don't deserve foods. And the question is, is if they're asking for it now and we're saying that these people, free school meals shouldn't be given out or any action. It's like, you know, anything, what we see in America now, what we see here, it's, it's highlighting what should have been done before the pandemic. The pandemic is showing, it's not making, it's showing and revealing that the poorest people within the country are already the most affected. It's highlighting even more the disparity and that even pre-pandemic, we should have had some of these provisions before. Like it's as simple as that. Kids were already going hungry. Um, if parents, I do fundamentally believe that the government, uh, but the, the reason why I ask it is because I don't know like legal wise what the government are meant to be doing. And I read something just before we did the podcast about someone saying that um, originally they were going to stand strong on their ideas about not giving for half term and not this. And then um, people had put out some, uh, had taken them to trial or, you know, whatever you want to call it, made some claims, legal claims over their behavior. And so they decided to pull them all back because if they don't go to trial about the things that need to provide, they don't then need to justify the behavior and they make any changes. Because if someone had said, okay, you do need to provide this, and they say they don't, goes to court, then it's found that they do, the government will then need to make changes and supply more, which they should have mm-hmm. done. But but just by saying, okay, we're going to give you this school free school meal now, whatever trial pr- trialing process was going to happen was removed, and then you don't have to actually address the long-term ramifications of what the government should or shouldn't be doing. Um, but I do, I struggle to understand why someone will say, my child is going hungry, they need some foods, can you 
look after us i do think the government have a requirement to do so and then if it's parents who can't provide for their kids and if it's parents who and i think they're very very small i think it's a message message that's pushed out but it's a, a minority of people i'd hope i don't know that might look after themselves for their own kids i still think the government have responsibility it's got to do with education it's got to do with you know child services actually having the ability to check back effectively but they're probably overworked you know, and undermanned and understaffed. And so, you know, steps aren't being followed the way it meant to, but I still think that's the government's responsibility. Yeah, I just don't know how you can be like, I just don't think we need to feed these kids. It's not our, it's not our responsibility. For me, the government's responsibility is ensuring the survival of the country. Like it's, you know, in a broad term, it's like we run this country and it's our job to make sure that tomorrow is a better day than today. And it's not the even surviving, after. it's thriving. Like, you know, I feel like as a government, yeah. it's like a workplace. You want your who you're responsible for to do well, not just, just to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The government's, that is a hundred, in my opinion, a hundred percent, the government's responsibility. Mm. What it seems like politicians are only out for is themselves. And by the looks of things, their friends who run food companies um, and tech companies to build an app, it doesn't work. Um, it, it's, it's so crazy. It's just crazy. I'd love to be and there then, and see. What, I'd love to be flying that wall to be like, what should we talk about today? Well, we talk about this kids' school meals. These kids are dying and going starving and hungry and families are falling apart. But let's talk about pay rises first. Oh, we've done so well. Fundamentally, I think we both agree. I just wanted to see if there was an argument. I was just trying to get it out. But even when I'm asking out there, you know, what I find mad, actually, I'll say this, though. The thing I find, and we spoke about it before the podcast, which I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense. Maybe there's a sense of pride in it, especially if you're a woman who feels or has felt like it's your responsibility to look after your kids. I found that it's mostly females that say, mm. well, if you're a mother that can't look after yourself then, and your children, then you shouldn't, which is interesting, uh, you know, and it shouldn't be men, to be fair. It shouldn't be men because, you know, fuck men, they don't rear these kids in a lot of these situations and they shouldn't be speaking on behalf of mothers and women. But it's just interesting that then it'll be women that be like, well, you're a bad mother, you know? But it's also a mother who's never been in a circumstance of desperation. Like it's I very, think it might be the opposite. Really? I think it's the ones who have really gone through hard times and actually been able to provide for themselves and their own and their kids. So they're like, well, I've done it, so you should be able to do the same. Maybe. I don't as know, well I don't as know. the privileged ones, you know, the, the privileged few who are politicians' wives and, you know, had kids and had au pairs and had everyone look after them. I do think there is a section of the population where it is, you know, the poorer people that are like, well, you know, this is what we have to work through. This is what we got. And it's my responsibility and only, and if I'm doing it, then you should do it as well. Did you watch the Matt Hancock thing on Piers Morgan? I actually, I watched it again and I realized I'd watched it already and I posted it as well because it was one of the most uncomfortable. How do you get politicians who can't answer questions? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 let's ask Brian Sims. Um, it was just, first of all, when he doesn't know, like the absolute lie that he doesn't know how much his wife or whoever spends on grocery shopping because um, I'm assuming he's he's portraying that it's not him that does the grocery shopping. Otherwise, he would know that. I need to check into it. So unless they have somebody else who does this grocery shopping for him, I assume it's his wife, the, the woman in the house. Or maybe they have someone. Um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine any family would want somebody else to do the shopping for them because it's feeding their kids. Seriously? Why would I get somebody who is not going to be eating my food to buy my grocery shopping? They might, they might, they might physically go buy it, but... I'm the one that's paying for it and I'm giving you the list of what to buy. Okay. I don't know. I don't think that's outrageous. I think it's outrageous. I, mean, I think it's outrageous he doesn't know how much he spends a week on food. It's. I don't think that's outrageous. Well, just because you spend £200 a week on groceries and cookies and stuff. Listen, when I started going shopping with my mum, I couldn't believe how little we got for the amount she spent. And she's just like, oh, this meat, £17. I'll take it. I was like, what? Where I'll take rich, two, please. Where did you get this money from, bitch? We're in Waitrose oh. just going around. And I'm like, we've got free school meals all this time. You know what I mean? It's suddenly, well, because we're all adults now, she doesn't really have to provide for us and, you know, um, she's on a little retirement money. She's like, I don't spend money on anything, so it's just food. But she's just more than happy just to be like, oh, you know, for Christmas, she's like, 50 pound piece of beef. Back in here, she's like, I'm only buying my meat from Waitrose. But wow. yeah, she doesn't know. I don't know. She posh. spends a lot of money. I didn't realize you're so posh. That's what I'm going shopping, Waitrose. Um, and then, like you said, but then to sit and go on, it's just it's so uncomfortable. So why did, when he asked, so why did you vote against it? He's just like, I'm glad we got this sorted. So why, if you're glad, why did you like, well, like I said, I'm glad it's like you're answering the question. Or do you regret voting for it? 
I'm glad we've got it sorted. I'm like, yeah, and I'll say my own word, thank you. And I'm like, my okay, so you an absolute joke. Th- my mum's house loves LBC, the radio station, and they love Good Morning Britain. And they love to complain about what the people say. And so I've seen more of Good Morning Britain with Piers Morgan because I didn't know that the government had boycotted that show, right? Yeah. For 77 days. Going hard. Yeah. Um, well, they do going hard, but they're mad. I guess she needs to, but they're mad negative. Yeah, he needs to say that. But they, they then they talk over them. They're very rude. They, they ask what I deem as impossible questions. They ask the questions people want to know, I think. They I lead think questions a lot. I think they are bad on having people on and not letting them speak. Like if you're if you're going to ask, and I understand why Pierce is doing it. You know, he's on a, he's on a time. He's like, this is only an hour show or two hour show. We've got five guests to get on after you. You've got fifteen minutes. If you're going to sit and spend twenty minutes of that fifteen minutes evading the question, I'll ask the question again. Mm. I'll ask the question again. I'll ask the question again. You know, and I think sometimes he is right to cut them off when you're he's he's, he's you know he's with the greatest respect to Piers Morgan. He's been in the industry a long, long time. He he knows when waffles coming. I'm sure he can sense it. I'm sure he can smell it a mile off. He's one himself. Oh, of course he is. He used to edit a, a what Daily Mail was it? He used to be editor of the Daily Mail or Mirror or something. What is interesting is obviously because he's got such a bad reputation, especially along like I'd say like our peers, for example, whether they're gay or straight or whatever. But nowadays, people would be like, "I know I'm not supposed to like Piers Morgan, but you know, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did make a point." But then he'll go and do he something. A, he'll do something yeah. and then bring up a transgender person there and be like, well, this, that, and the other. You're like, oh, yeah. we want to like you so much. We do, but we can't because of this. Yeah. He wants yeah. to just argue. He doesn't care. He doesn't, I don't even think he has many beliefs. I don't think he cares. He just wants to argue. Although in that interview, I have to say, I did love and I absolutely loved how him and Susanna were matched. She had the green dress, the white collar. He had the white shirt and green tie. And I was like, you could be going to a wedding like this. This is lovely. She's changed. She's a bully now as well. She has got harder, but then when you sit every day of somebody like Pierce Hart Morgan and you want to keep your screen time, you have to be more vocal. I guess. Plus, I would be frustrated with how the politicians answer or don't answer questions every day. Like, I would get frustrated as well. What, what, what it screams to me is how the government was sh- too scared to go on that show because they're going to get asked questions and put in uncomfortable situations. Like, if I was Matt Hancock right now, I'd be like going home, crying to my wife and being, I don't want to go back on that TV show again. I think it's too scary. But then I just can't believe they cannot be prepared to go on it. Like I just, they're the they're meant to be the top people within the government, right? They are it. They're they need to have media training, yeah. and they just can't hack it. You can see them getting so frustrated and so angry. Guys, if you're listening to this, we post about it on social media. Give it a little share. You know, just share it on your social media. Share it with your dog. Share it with your mom. Share it with your auntie. Whoever, just share. Share the love make it a special podcast um so remember on monday we're going to go back in our segment to do movies with matt and i am on a tear i'm watching movies upon movies upon movies beautiful have a lovely weekend ashley and everybody yeah everyone have a lovely weekend and matt chat too